I don't know when I'm going to get home. Thank you, Albert. And let me remind you that this work you are doing tonight is very, very important. And I will be thinking of you as I drink this. Thank you, sweetheart. Fine Bordeaux. Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of A Damn Fine Podcast, the podcast that is celebrating all things, all things Twin Peaks, specifically Twin Peaks The Return. I'm Ron Richards, and with me, as always, is Tom Merritt. It's, it's feeling so different to do this once a week yes. at the same time yes. every week. <laughs> you see, like, pull, than- we could pull behind the curtains. Uh, as we were re-watching and re-enjoying Twin Peaks Season 1 and Season 2, we had a very sporadic recording schedule. We tried to record once a week. Sometimes we record twice a week, change the days, mix up the times. But, hey, man, I'm going through my summer calendar, and every Sunday night I got a big old block there for Twin Peaks and, and Damn Fine Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, when we had the flexibility, we used the flexibility. Uh, but there's something about, like oh it's sunday night it's, and we didn't really get it because the first four parts were put up at once exactly. and then we had a week yeah. break so now i'm feeling in the groove yeah. uh, and of course one of the things about that is and we've mentioned this a little bit before with the original two seasons ron and i had both seen it multiple times yep. so we were well chewed over what things we might want to talk about this time there's always going to be something after we've gone through and talked about it that won't occur to us until later in the week or will hit us next week. Uh, and so we'll we'll try to bring those things to you in the following episodes. Just because we don't mention something doesn't mean we didn't think it was important or, or well, we it, were intentionally incl- excluding it. It's just these, I mean, especially these episodes, right, Ron? They're, yeah. they're rich. They're thick. Well, and part of it also, especially, so this week, we, this week is just me and you, Tom. We don't have a guest this week. Um, and sometimes, you know, like when, when we had, like last week we had Mallory on, and that's fantastic, but we're all, we all get so, ex- so excited, and there's stuff you want to talk about, and the conversation kind of flows, and then I find myself falling into the day after trap, where the next morning I wake up, and I go, ah, we forgot to mention the women in pink at the casino, or yeah, ah, yeah. we forgot to mention Cooper Cry, the, the tear going down his cheek. When he's looking at the at, at uh, what's it? I always forget the son's the name. No, yeah. no, no. The kids. Oh, oh, oh at uh, at Sunny Jim. Sunny Jim in the car, or or that he the episode ended with him holding the shoes, which might be a clue as to why he's not Cooper. And and yeah, so like the day after is just it's torture for me because I want to go back and re-record the podcast. <laughs> so, but yeah, but so so we'll we'll keep those coming, and yeah. uh, and and by all means, send your observations. Uh, along as well, but but don't don't start. And this is just a pet pet peeve. <laughs> don't start with you forgot to mention. Maybe, I know, maybe yeah. we didn't get, have time to mention. Maybe we didn't think to mention. Just say like, hey, I also noticed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and we'll try to pass those Some, along. Someone well. on one of my other podcasts uh, pointed out something that I I got mistaken and ended it with the hashtag just saying. <laughs> which is something I could do without. Yeah. <laughs> just say it. I mean, I'm just saying I could do without it. That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so, so we're doing our best to absorb this stuff. I'm frantically, when the episode ends, I'm watching the credits. I'm like, I'm hitting pause and play, play, then pause, like going through the credits staccato to try to ca- capture everything and identify who was in this episode. Um, but yeah, so here we are for part six of Twin Peaks, The Return. And it, there's no setup here. It's just me and you. So we don't need to talk about our history of Twin peaks or anything but um uh i had a very interesting experience while watching this episode tom i wanted to share with you yeah the uh starting with the overview of this episode uh the very first note i have is the music makes me smile every time of course you know it 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 just can't help it second note i have is so much dougie (laughs) (laughs) and 
I, I know that you had a similar experience. My experience of this episode was like, wow, this is just a lot of Dougie and I'm just not interested in the Dougie bit anymore. And finally someone wants him to get medical help. Thank goodness. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, it just took like three days, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but man, I, I am not getting enough progress in the storyline to keep me satisfied. And yet, and yet by the end of this episode, I'm like, oh my gosh, so much happened. There were so many cool events and I just want more. Well, yeah. And, and that, that's very similar to what happened to me was that about a little bit at the halfway mark or so, um, definitely after a big moment, which we'll get to, of course, the, 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 when I did, I screamed out loud when something happened, but about halfway, I was like, oh God, this is, this is not good. This is the first, I was like, oh, this is the first not good episode. And, and, they, so, and Lynch, Lynch knows it. He oh, knows yeah. you're feeling that way. He's playing the tension. I know that's what he's doing. I don't think it's unintentional because he throws the stoplight in, in the middle of the Dougie story. And you think, oh my gosh, that's the most excited I've been this whole episode is seeing the stupid stoplight. Finally, we're going to get something else. And then you come back and no, you're not getting something else. Well, you're kind of getting something else because you see the one arm man, but, but you really, it's like, oh, back to Dougie. What's so funny is that like, I literally, like I did scream out loud several times in this episode. And when they show the traffic light, I went, Oh, thank God, the traffic light. I was never more happy to see a slow-changing traffic light in my life. <laughs> oh, my God. I wrote in my notes, I'm most excited about the stoplights so yeah, far this episode. Exactly. Yeah. And I, th I thought it was a transition back to Twin Peaks, but it, but it wasn't, but that's fine. No, but it, but my kind of like it, – it, it kind of set in – I think after the Richard Horn uh, Red scene, uh, uh, Balthazar Getty, the character Balthazar Getty plays his name Red, the one with the dime, the flipping the coin. Right, um, right. It was after that point where I was like, oh, this episode isn't good. And oh, no. What do, oh, God. The, how is this? Well, we're going to talk about this. And this is the first. And by the end of the episode, when the credits rolled, I was like, God damn, that was a good episode. Like, and it's yeah. so weird at how the emotional roller coaster is going through this hour. And I, I keep stepping back and looking back, going, this is David Lynch and Mark Frost throwing the book out the window for what we expect with television entertainment. Like and, it's, and I think playing ping pong with themselves. Yes. Yeah. Right? Abso yeah. Absolutely. But like, and they, I don't know it's true, but the Balthasar Getty scenario, which by the way, if it doesn't happen after the long, long Dougie bit, probably plays better to me as a as a break, as a pause, uh, and and feels very like, oh yeah, this is the kind of stuff I expected from the Frost era uh, of Twin Peaks, uh, and and normally enjoyed. Yeah. And and and. The Dougie stuff is so Lynch. I mean, yeah. it has to be. It has to be him saying, you know, there's two lines on paper and I'm going to spread it out over 25 minutes. Well, and it's funny because we, we've had people comment that we are giving too much credit to David Lynch. We've had people comment that we're giving too much credit to Mark Frost. And I'll be honest, I don't know the where fact the, the matter is. We're not giving enough credit to the actors. Right. No, I don't well, know. I'm just, well, no, there's and, always something, right? Yeah. Of all people, if Kyle McLaughlin doesn't win something for this, I don't I don't I, I don't even know. Um, he's he's just amazing, even as Dougie. But um. But the th but the thing about it is that I don't know where the line is between Frost and Lynch. I don't. We'll find out when this is all done and when the books are written and the articles are written and things like that. But something is definitely direction when the, when it's unquestionably direction. You know it's Lynch, but the rest of the time, yeah, it's you know only they know for sure. Yeah, exactly. But the the something about the pacing of this and the the slowness of the progression. Like I was doing the math. Yes. I'm like, all right, so we're six, we're six parts in, which means that we've got 12 to go. Right. Right. So 
we're, so we're a third of the way through. We're already. a third of the way through, and it is moving at a glacial pace, and stuff is happening that I know when we look back on it, we're going to see, oh, this ties into this, and this does this, but... I don't I don't know it. And again I keep going back to the 18 hour movie and someone actually mentioned it in the I think it was in the in the damn fine Slack channel uh for supporting patrons uh at the $5 level or higher. We'll get to that at the end of the episode. But um someone mentioned in there that when this is all done they want to try watching it in one sitting in 18 hours and I'm really curious about that because I'm wondering yeah. if you sit down and watch this all in the the 18 hour movie as Lynch envisions it if it actually plays better than the hour installments. Also, I can't wait for some aspiring editor to take the 18 hours and cut it down to like a three hour movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Twin Peaks editor, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, but my feeling, my theory is that what Lynch and Frost are doing here is setting out a bunch of pieces on a game board, yep. keeping us tense about the questions, not giving us any particular answer. They're betting heavy on Dougie. Yep. Like, we know you most want to see Cooper, so we are going to torture you with Dougie. And then halfway through, they're going to start throwing the answers at us because we have so many different questions yep. set up in so many different arenas. And I feel like for the first time with the Hawk storyline, we yep. started to see a, a, you know, a, a, a little peak and a bend in the road and we finally get an answer. Well, it was a progression. I mean, like we, we th- that's yeah. the, that's the thing that, that's the thing that I, is amazing me about this is that we're moving by centimeters. Like we're mm-hmm. not moving, we're not moving by miles. We're not moving by feet. We're not moving by inches. We're moving by centimeters. And, and yet I think when we get to episode, like, oh my gosh, that's what that meant. That's what that meant. That's what that meant. There's going to be a whole mathematical division of Reddit yeah, just yeah, for ex- Twin Peaks and the Return. Exactly, exactly. Well, so so um, a lot of pontificating about what might be going on and how might things be. But let's let's talk about the specifics of the episode. Uh, a lot of time spent in Las Vegas with Dougie. Um, as as he meanders, he finally finds his way from the statue home, and 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 his wife deals with his with the money problem, and he deals with his work problem, and it's very slow and meandering. And I felt frustrated like you did, but also looking back on it, I kind of loved it. Still, I, I'm still pro Dougie. I did not love getting there. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but what we we did get something out of it. It didn't feel like it at one point, but we yeah. did. Uh, we got mike saying wake up don't die uh which probably doesn't mean a whole lot but the wake up thing makes me think okay he can be shaken out of this dougie state otherwise mike wouldn't be imploring him and i was hoping it would be the coffee but then he drinks a bunch of coffee later in the episode and doesn't do anything to his douginess well so what's interesting is that so the one-armed man reaches out to him from the red room um, after, so he's he's sitting at home at his kitchen table, and he's got all the work reports that he had brought, the case reports that he had brought home, and the the insurance company is Lucky Seven Insurance, and each report has the logo printed on the folder, and Dougie slash Cooper, you know, kind of traces his finger around the seven, and that's what triggers the shot of the traffic light. And mm-hmm. so I was trying to rack my brain as to what's the connection between the number seven or in that circle or whatever it is. And like, why did that time to the traffic light and then trigger, you know, uh, you know, Philip and yet, well, but he saw Mike up in his room as Dougie yeah. before and there was yeah. no seven. So yeah. I don't know if anything triggers it or not. Yeah, um, I don't know either. Yeah. But so, so, so the one, our man says, you know, don't, don't, you know, we need you to wake up, don't die. 
And then at that point, he opens the case files, and these little glimmering dots start appearing on the case files, and Dougie starts drawing gibberish. And at first, I thought it meant, like, I thought he was recreating the petroglyph. Oh, really? Right, because he drew, cause he, cause yeah, he drew yeah. like a ladder, and uh-huh. then he drew steps, and I was like, oh. Yeah, I dr- still don't know what the stairs and the ladders uh, represented, but my, my original feeling was, oh, the little sparkles are highlighting the inconsistencies in these reports. Well, that's clearly And it. he's doing a really crappy job of, of marking them, yep. but hopefully someone will recognize that, and that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. He, 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 they're, they're, he's drawn big kind of dots and lines and things and circling them, and as I'm watching a, this very very slow paced of D- Dougie yeah. in the files. I mean, it was, very, and the, and the, I gotta give Colin McLaughlin credit the way he's holding the pencil and, and it's like, as some, you know, when you think about writing with a pencil, something that's so foreign, you know, to, to make something that's so natural f- appear foreign to someone, he, he totally nailed it. I mean, the, the hard, the, the grip on the pencil and you could see the lead bending as he's doing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he draws all over these reports and then he goes back into work and his boss, uh, see, you know, finally sees the connection and it reveals something what we don't know. Uh, yeah. but yeah, but it helps him and kind of keeps Dougie in his good standing at work. Uh, I think the boss said, you've given me a lot to think about. <laughs> Just like- <laughs> don't tell anyone about this. Yeah. I don't think there's much uh, danger of that. <laughs> exactly. Happening. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that, uh, so that was literally like the first 20 minutes of the episode. Yeah. I mean, and, that was and a lot. Should we just go ahead and, and since we're talking about Dougie, I, I know it doesn't happen chronologically next, but yeah. uh, Janie or Janie E. With Janie, Janie E. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she takes care of the debt yeah. that he had uh, by arranging the meeting at the park and then going and just putting her foot down uh, and saying, no, you're not getting 50,000. He borrowed 20,000. 25% is a very good interest yep. rate. It's a ridiculous interest rate. And so you, Dickie Bennett from Justified, you're getting 25,000 and that's it. <laughs> this is Naomi Watts, like, this. she's a great actress. She's a good actress. And like this scene was like, and it was also great to see, um, I think it's Jeremy Davies, I think. Um, I, I gotta look at the car- the actor's name, but one of the thugs that was sh- uh, with the bad mustache, yeah, Jeremy, yeah, da- Jeremy, it. Jeremy Davis, Davies, yeah, he was in Saving Private Ryan and Spanking the Monkey back in the '90s, that that indie film. Um, I really like seeing him, but uh, yeah, he, that, that's, in fact, I yeah. I love him so much that I was sad that he didn't get a few more lines. But, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I hope we see more of him, but uh, but yeah, but that was a great little kind of character moment for Naomi Watts' character. I really enjoyed seeing that, uh, you know, kind of her dealing with Dougie's problem. Um, and it, it just comes out of gambling. It just like is it, like I, I want to know about Dougie Jones before all this happened. Right? So you want, you want a Dougie Jones spinoff? <laughs> I want a Dougie Jones prequel. Return. I want to exactly yeah. like he's 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 twenty thousand dollars on, ga- on gambling. That's it. And the thing like is, rapper John MD yeah. to uh, Twin Peaks: The Returns Mash. <laughs> and there, there's so much there, there's so much that we've seen already in these six parts that that show that if you haven't read the Secret History of Twin Peaks, you really should because and we'll get to that a little later on with Hawk. But um, there there's so many little connections and Dougie Milford. If you remember from Twin Peaks yes. season one and two, plays is a huge role in the secret history of Twin Peaks, and I can't, I just can't not believe that Dougie is Dougie for a reason. Mm. You know, oh the other the other thing that got me too is that there are all these the one other, I should I'll say actually I'm gonna save that for Diane for the noting later on. Um, <laughs> I'll remember that. Well, I mean that's that's kind of the next place we go yeah. if, if if we're done with Dougie, which yeah. I'm way done with Dougie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we get Albert. 
uh, in the car in the rain talking to Gordon who taunts him about drinking Bordeaux. Uh, and then he, and then Albert gets out to go into Max Vaughn's bar. Yep. And I'm, I immediately, I'm like where she drinks. Yep. And then he walks up and says, Diane and a very blonde woman, uh, turns around and says, hello, Albert. And that's all they give us this episode. Oh, such a tease. And it, and it is as predicted as we talked about last episode played by Laura Dern. The great Laura Dern uh, in a in a very good white hair wig um, and talk about a good reveal and a good introduction. I mean, it, oh, it was, it was uh, yeah, that was that was the second time. The this only th- thing, the only thing wrong with this scene uh, is that it didn't go on yes. <laughs> and it didn't continue. That exactly. is the only thing in my mind. And that, that was the that was the moment that I had where I was like, wow, what a tease! But like, how does this play in the greater picture of the eighteen hour movie? You know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> we we they they said, I mean, it was episode, it was part four that Albert said, I know where she drinks. So we had an entire right. part. We didn't get it at all yeah, last exactly, episode. Yeah. Um, we yeah. found out in the credits that Diane's last name is Diane Evans. Um, we might've known that already from the book, but still. Um, so Diane is on the scene. That's the second time in this episode that I screamed. Um, Cause I was like, ah, oh, there she is. <laughs> well, and that really is where it turns the corner. Yeah. Uh, and, and not just because of that, because there, there are other things that follow that they carry the momentum. But as soon as that happened, I'm like, okay, fine. I will forgive a part of Dougie now. And there are other things in the rest of this episode that that totally balance it out for me yeah yeah um so yeah i mean it was great to see diane but it was annoying that that they just left it at that and then after they're that we, the tension they're yeah, just they're torturing us on purpose yeah. they really are yeah um and and they continue to torture us with it with another extremely long scene between richard horn who i think we just all Especially, we hated him last episode. Now we really hate him after this episode. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but <laughs> he is like this. I wrote he's this generation's Bobby Briggs, and this is his Leo. Yeah, but man, is he way worse than Bobby Briggs ever was. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely saw those parallels as well too. But yeah, so so Richard Horn and Balthazar Getty, whose character's name is Red, are having a meeting where he he Richard Horn has sampled the I guess it's cocaine or whatever the drug that they have, um, and there's a very weird power struggle conversation between the two where red wants to make sure Richard Horn knows his place. And it's very, it's almost like, um, did yeah. you ever watch always sunny in Philadelphia? Yes. Yeah. But it's almost like the Kung Fu moves, you know, the fake Kung Fu <laughs> yeah. moves and then the magic trick, yep. the, you know, like it's, it's, it's just this side of silly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, but it's, it's obviously meant to, to show that, you know, Richard Horn is not respected by the uppers in the gang right? Uh, and and is going to make him feel frustrated as well as high because he sampled the product on his drive home. Right. And th- this scene goes on for nearly 10 minutes, um, which, again, is just like an eternity. Um, and we get this amazing attention to detail magic trick with a dime. Yeah. That is just like, I want to say Lynchian like blue velvet esque kind yeah, of, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, it felt very that, you know, kind of resonated. I, honestly, maybe it's the amount of Dougie that set me up for this, but I didn't mind this scene that take even as long as it took. And I, yeah. I did feel like it took a long time. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know, I'm learning something about someone new at least. Yeah. Um, I know. I liked it. I mean, like it was, it, it, it like I, I, these kind of scenes where there's a weird, thing happening you know between a coin flip and the magic trick or whatever but to 
use it to assert a position of power and red say you know you know th- this is you and he's tails this is me yeah, yeah. heads heads i win tails you lose you know and then to have a cut to richard horn driving angrily practically almost in tears because he felt you know like emasculated and that, and that, that yeah. you know and it was like total resonance and then you get a sense you know of course he's fueled by the drugs but you get a sense of what's going on in his head is that he's trying you know he's he's in the car by himself but yelling at his you know antagonist that he's driving away from you know saying you know don't call me kid i'll show you you know like and we without even getting any context i now know this character absolutely yeah. i and and you know you know what his motivations are uh as shallow as they are yeah. what's driving him uh, and and that's going to be really important ju- in just a few moments. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's take a let's take a moment. Let's break up this storyline, if if you will. Yes. Uh, because this time, two scenes were intertwined nicely and and tell a, a unified story in the end. Because uh, it se- seemed like we were just doing another Doctor Jacoby Ben Horn esque. Uh, let's bring somebody back from the past. This time it's Carl. And right. we see the trailer park. I, and uh, the third time in this episode, I yelled because if you're longtime listeners of damn fine podcast, you know that I am a tremendous Harry Dean Stanton fan. Um, yeah. and he tends Carl- to name his first three children, Harry Dean and Stanton, no matter whether they're <laughs> boys or girls. And, uh, and Carl Rod is one of my favorite characters from fire walk with me. Um, can I, can I offer you a cup of good morning, America? As we all yeah. know. <laughs> well, and how believably old uh, is Carl? He's great. Like, this is Carl 25 years later. Yeah. Like, there's still a bit of that spark, but he was already an old man 25 years ago. So it's just it's just dim now. It's a dim version of Carl. And and it's just how great is Harry Dean Stanton? I oh, mean, they, so you know, like we see we see him at the we see him at the trailer park, and he's getting a ride into town, and uh, another trailer park resident rides with him, and they have a nice little conversation on the way there, where he lights a cigarette, and he says how you know, and and the, offers the guy who's much younger for a cigarette. He goes, "No, I quit." And Carl just laughs, says, "I've been smoking for seventy five years every day," yeah, you know, and, and then laughing, right yeah, 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 exactly, and then. And and so this is where the intertwining comes in, and that then you know we kind of see more of Richard driving, or whatever. And then there's just like this beautiful, serene shot of Carl Carl Rod sitting in the park with his coffee and a cigarette, just get you know getting away from the trailer park. That's all he wants to do. And it's just like that moment of poetic beauty that Lynch is bringing brings to the table with yep. this stuff, with it, with in terms of shot composition and just and the the raw emotion that Harry Dean Stanton's like 93 right the dude he's like ancient now and he's just amazing and he can still act the shit out of anything oh yeah yeah (laughs) no absolutely and and the uh uh, and this all feels like unmotivated cuts until you get to the end and this is why I'm thinking this is what's happening over the entire 18 parts yep is that you're like oh I guess we're just switching to Carl now yeah uh and then and then you switch to the double r uh and and it's What's her name? Heidi. Heidi's right? back. Yes. Yeah. Heidi. Heidi's <laughs> back. You can tell by the giggle. Uh, she's talking to someone named Miriam, who's telling the story about pie. And you think, oh well, I guess, I guess we're switching to the diner now. Right. But it turns out that Carl actually gets his coffee at the double R. He has a double R to go coffee cup. Uh, so there's a reason we were at the double R. And you think, okay, I guess that's the connection. But Miriam shows up at the end of this whole sequence of events as well. Yeah. It, it, this this whole scene was such an amazing 
like I talk about anatomy of a scene, like the the tangling of Richard Horn into Carl into the diner, back to Richard, back to Carl, you know, and like and it and it builds up this kind of like where is this going? And honestly, I I I, I teared up where it went. Yeah. Like oh, I, I gosh, literally, yeah. I, I literally like no, the, the magic of the scene. Like you said, we know Richard Horn very well. Yeah, we know his motivations. We actually feel for Miriam. Yeah, because of that little silly scene in the diner where she's like, I go in and there's a pie with a piece of name on it. I came here and there were two pies with a piece of na- my yeah. name on it. And then as she leaves, they're like, she can't afford to tip. Let's but let's treat her next time. Yeah. And so suddenly you're like, oh, okay, I know Miriam. And then uh, that beautiful scene in the park where Carl's sitting on the on the bench and and you know he's an old man he's a 90 year old man watching a kid playing with his mom it's just a sweet scene that could stand on its own that could be yeah. a short movie right there right oh yeah just, this, this, just about this, generation. this innocent little boy and his mother playing tag in the park or chasing in the park or whatever and Carl kind of he gets a little he, he's just kind of sitting there looking yeah. at the, looking at the trees and then he sees the other people and smiles and it's just like the enjoyment of life you know which is is just wonderful to see and you know, and then we cut back. We cut back to Richard. Oh, don't do this! And then he did it, and I and I'm crying for the next two minutes. <laughs> I like, wrote, "OMG, the kid, damn you, Lynch." Yeah, in I, my notes. I, I they, they so Richard Horn hits the kid head on, and they show it, and then the kid lying bloody on the street, and the mother runs and is crying, holding on and to him, bawling. and like, yeah. and everybody on the street are all kind of it's it's like this quiet mo- the quiet town a, a horrific moment of a hit and run and just how it just paralyzes everybody and i'm sitting on the couch and i'm i'm tearing up because i can't believe they just did this and it's like this like shot down in you know the before the child even could do anything like just senseless kind of violence yeah um you know but, and but the beauty of the scene to me yeah. is that you know why you know why yeah richard horn did that you it doesn't justify it he's a horrible person right uh but you know why this all happened you know the game the kids were playing you know that richard horn is high and frustrated and angry like it all makes sense and it has this weight of inevitability to it that is just heart crushing yeah and then and then of course then then what ties it all up in in the bow of the anatomy of a scene is that as he after the hit and run miriam coming from the diner sees him they make eye contact and he keeps on driving away so now it's like oh geez you know yeah and then, and then carl yep. carl oh. sees the spirit uh, or something yep. uh headed up uh through the through the electrical wires and is the only one to go and give comfort uh yep. to the mother yep uh, yeah, that's my other thing. Okay, people, Twin Peaks, can somebody call nine one one? Yeah, like you know, like the whole sheriff station is sitting there waiting for these calls, and, and nobody, like they're all. And there was, a, there was and the the shots of the people reacting just gave it a humanity and just gave it yeah. a, a you know like a realness, a rawness to it that was it was this this scene was hard to watch, and at the same time it was so amazingly perfection perfection on film. Like it, and oh, even yeah. if you don't know Carl from Firewalk with me. Yeah. Uh, or you from, get enough of him in this sequence that you right. know, like he's old, he's frustrated, he has to get to ride in the town. He's been smoking for seventy-five years. He just wants to sit in the park and enjoy himself because he doesn't have that much to look forward to. It, you know, like yeah. they build up all of this stuff, and so you know how amazing it is that that guy, that jaded old guy, is the only one who can get past his shock 
and comfort the mother right. in that situation. And, and 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 him seeing the spirit, I don't know if that's, I mean, again, read the secret history of Twin Peaks. Carl Rod is in it as well. Um, you know, and, you know, him being the only person who saw that might have some significance, you know? So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, Harry Dean Stanton. Also, I noted the uh, the numbers. I don't know if they mean anything, but the yeah. power pole, uh, they, they did a, a longish shot yeah. uh, on the power pole itself, 324810, and power pole six. Those yes. are two separate numbers on the power pole. So, like I said, there's there's a whole numerology to this entire series so far. There, there always has been, and so yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I they lingered on that shot long enough to be like, oh, we should memor- you know, we should note that. But then the shot of the power pole, ser- power uh, the the telephone pole serves as a transition, and we go back to Vegas and we revisit the guy from part two in the in the office. Um, uh, and he gets a a secret message through yeah, his safe. The author from Once Upon a Time is back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, as noted by a red a red box fading in on his computer. Uh, and then we go through a very weird. By the way, by the way, just real quickly, I love the fact that he can just click and it dismisses the red square, yeah, but he's yeah. still freaked out. Yeah, exactly. Right? This is no technical whatsoever of it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, no. So he receives this this envelope with a dot on it and just puts it on his desk. Um, and then we cut to we we go to a motel where there's a dwarf esque sized man who looks very tough, just playing smaller dice. Smaller man, smaller man sure, playing yeah. dice. And then he the the same with the dot gets slid under his door and he opens up and there's a picture of a woman and a picture of Dougie and he has now, like a, I didn't recognize the woman at that time but later when she shows up it is the same woman who gets the call in an earlier episode oh is it I didn't recognize yeah. her at all okay well she gets a call for what oh uh, is it the one is it the Argent one or no yeah I think so the one who gets freaked out by the call oh okay and and at the and and later when he comes at for her yeah she's saying what there were three bodies and none of them were him right yeah okay yes interesting um but yeah so basically this this uh this smaller man is a hitman and he uses an ice yeah. pick and we get he a bullet yeah. so he has decent taste in bourbon. yeah there you go but uh we get a very intense crazy murder scene of him just running into the office stabbing everybody in his way right this is very like almost kubrick-esque violence you know like it was just (laughs) well it was it was uh i i realized as he's stabbing the woman from the picture and we know of course that the other picture is of dougie so he's he's after dougie next uh that he is in fact an ice pick killer on showtime so you Dexter fans got a little, I don't know if it was intentional. <laughs> Is but that a crossover? Or? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just hit me. Yeah. Um, and then poor feller, his ice pick bent. Yeah, that was sad. Um, but yeah, so so we see that. So we know he's coming after Dougie. So Dougie's in, in danger. Um, and then we go back to the sheriff's station and we see Hawk, uh, who... And now this is the another, you know, in addition to Diane, the other major revelation of this episode. Uh, he's in the bathroom and he drops a nickel and it rolls on the floor, floor into the stall and he picks up the nickel and realizes it's an Indian, Indian head nickel. And he turns and looks and the sign, the little uh, metal stamp on the door of the, of the bathroom stall uh, is made by Nez Pierce uh, Manufacturing. It's got an Indian head on it. Yep, Des Purse being the uh, native people, what they called the native people in that area around yep. Twin Peaks. Which also in the Secret History of Twin Peaks book are talked right. about at length. And uh, and this is all very Cooper-esque like, deduction, 
You, right. know, like, you know, like the, the nickel rolls and he found it for a reason and his eye turns to the Nez Pierce manufacturing with the Indian head that makes him look at the door and then he notices the door is missing a bolt in the upper corner and there's a little, uh, the, the, you know, the, there's a little gap in, bet- in the metal door which, pers- which then leads him to get a crowbar and pry the whole thing open and he finds some papers in, in the door. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I was just, and this is the fourth time I'm screaming, going, "What are the papers?" <laughs> as soon as soon as he saw, as soon as we went for, as soon as we saw the nickel, I'm like, "Okay, that's his heritage. Yeah. Is that going to lead to something?" Yep. And then when we see the Nez Perce label, I'm like, "Okay, where is the thing that's missing?" And then we see the bolt yep. up there and the little bent back metal. I'm like, "Oh, well, the, that's that's what's missing. There's something in that door." And of course, there was. So this is the first answer where we find out this is what the log lady meant. Like we're giving you a full on answer. Your heritage will lead to something that is missing. Here it is, your heritage, Nez Perce, led to something that was missing, the bolt in the door, and he discovered the papers, but then set up another question, like yep. you say. <laughs> what the hell is at the floor of the papers? Is this somebody's other, some other secret diary? Yep. Uh, what, what, what's going on? And of course, we know this bathroom was used by the one-armed man, Philip Gerard, I had that s- Mike. I had that same thought, but I think it's, it because that, I guess it's the same bathroom, but I don't know. Well, I'm assuming there's only one men's bathroom in the sheriff's department, whether it's actually the same set or not, I don't know. But that's a pretty old-looking door there. It was, yeah, it was. I'm dying to know what's on those papers, and of course we'll find out in two episodes. Um, Yeah, right. Uh, Or at least we'll we'll get a one-sentence description of them in two episodes, (laughs) and leaving us wanting to know more about what's in them. Uh, But then that doesn't leave us in the sheriff's... uh, We don't leave the sheriff's station as we go back to the uh, gladder room, as I'm calling it now, the the large section of the sheriff's station that didn't exist previously where the 911 people are and the jerk uh, deputy that Chad. works there. And oh, who, who interrupted Hawk while he was pulling apart the door and yeah. gives him crap and says he's going to tell on him. Who's like, just, like, this guy is the worst, and they're doing a great job of showing him to be the worst. Yeah. And and we get another little interlude of Sheriff Truman and his wife yelling at him, um, not as much as last part, as, as, as last week's part, but um, this was the moment where I kind of was like, oh, she's very Nadine-esque. Mm, like very, yeah, you know, parallels between the, you know the kind the, of behavior, the, the pre the, the the drapery runner era yeah. Nadine it, when she was just picking on it all the time. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but uh, you know, so they they leave the room as there are you know she's yelling at him, and uh, and we get some more background as the nine one one operator you know kind of fills us in on the fact that she's uh, never been again. the same. Yeah, she's never been the same bit. since their son committed suicide. To which Deputy Chad says, "Oh, I heard he couldn't deal with being a soldier," and I was like, "Wow, what a jerk is this guy." Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, Chad is as awful as Richard Horn, yeah. just without as many awful. Like his his actions are muted; they're more yeah. petty uh, than Richard Horn. But yeah, we have set up two people that you just utterly do not have sympathy for. Yeah, none whatsoever. And then we go back to the Roadhouse, to the Bang Bang Bar, and at this point now, I'm looking at the clock and going, "Are we gonna get a scene, or are we just getting music?" And now we're back to ending on music uh, to the lovely. I thought we were just gonna get a cameo or something when something. they went to the crowd scene because uh, Sharon Van Etten playing the song Teresa so is up there. So good. And yeah, it's it's very Mazzy Star like. I thought maybe we just get a crowd shot and see somebody, right? Yeah. But nothing. I thought you know prior to this episode, I was thinking I'm like this like we just saw Richard Horn last week. I had a feeling that this part we were gonna get uh, we we're gonna see Audrey for the first time. Uh, but oh, that would de- great. Denied. Denied. Um, but yeah, no. By, by the by, the time Sharon Van Etten and the band are playing, and I realized, and I looked at, I saw that it was like nine fifty five, and I was like, all right, this episode's over. That's when it kind of sunk in, and I was like, oh man, this episode was great. 
This is like it was like such yeah, a yeah, roller yeah. coaster. Um, one one thing I wanted to note a little di- a note for Diane, not Laura Dern, but uh, going note back to Diane. our great uh, blonde hair. Also, what else? Yeah, exactly. Um, when Dougie is at the kitchen table and uh, Naomi uh, Naomi Watts, his wife, what's her name? Janie. Um, uh, when they get the phone call about the the guys who they owe money to, and she tells them that she'll meet them at, at noon thirty, which I thought was funny. Um, yeah, but yeah. The, she'll meet them at the park, and the park was near the corner of Guinevere and Merlin. Yeah, and this continues. The, Glastonbury, anyone? Exactly. Or anyone? A, a lot of the places in the Vegas scenes in Rancho Rosa and Dougie's life are. Like there's a Sycamore Street. There are lots of parallels to Glastonbury Grove and the Sycamores and King Arthur legend uh, in terms of names, which has me wondering, is this area of Vegas another portal to the lodges? Even even more unlikely, I will say that right up front, is this happening in Vegas? Or is this is this a larger waiting room? Interesting. Uh, do we have any clear idea? Do we have any clear crossovers that connect what Dougie has been experiencing, what Cooper as Dougie has been experiencing to the rest of the world? And we, we know there are real people in the world looking for Dougie. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I guess uh, Janie E meeting with the the bribery people is 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 outside of the Cooper Dougie experience. But I mean that that's a little bit of a wild. Uh, yeah, wild I mean that that you're you're getting into Elon Musk uh, simulation world kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is living in a simulation. Which right. is cur- which is really curious. You're right because there hasn't been any connection to the South Dakota Gordon Cole no. Albert yeah, nor exactly. to Twin Peaks. Oh, interesting. Well, I just thought I just thought it was neat that that I picked up that it was Guinevere and Merlin and that all the, like there's a lot of references to King Arthur stuff, which is to references to Glastonbury Grove back in Twin Peaks. Maybe that's the connection. Who knows? Maybe your theory could be there. It was a weird trick of the lighting and it's really not that significant. But when she answered that phone, it looked beige on the wall and yellow in her hand. Yeah, it did. I noticed that. (laughs) I also noticed that in the, in, in the scene with, with Dougie and the paperwork, there was that over the shoulder shot of him reaching for the files they kept on they kept on bouncing between a shot of Dougie at the at the kitchen table and then a shot behind Dougie when he was grabbing a folder and Kyle McLaughlin's hands just looked enormous in those scenes <laughs> like they were like I don't know if it was the perspective or what was going on with it but uh yeah 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 but um no I mean for me the, this episode all boils down to the Richard Horn Carl Rod hit and run scene like that was the the pinnacle of this and then the fact that i you know yelped out loud four times in the episode that's a good that's a sign of a good episode <laughs> and i i think they're doing this intentionally every episode gives us somebody heritage right yeah. it gives us it gives us something to hold on to for those of us who are dying to know what happened to this person what happened to that person and and this episode it was obviously Diane but also Carl uh previous episodes it's been Jacoby or Ben Horn so so even when they give us a lot of things that are building tension and 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 getting us you know wetting our appetite to really want to know what's happened with a mystery they're also doling out you know some some bits and pieces. I wouldn't even call them fan service, but 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 tasty morsels that like, hey, maybe these don't even relate directly to the rest of the mystery, uh, but but they're they're fun. 
to see. And I think in this case, in this particular part, Diane is going to relate directly to the mystery because it has to do with the identification of Mr. C. Yeah. And Carl obviously relates directly to the events that happened with Richard Horn. Yeah. No, I, I mean, this this didn't have... I can't think of a single scene that was fan service in this episode. Maybe the diner no. with Miriam, but it plays into it. You no, know, you like, have to set up Miriam. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because I, I mean, thought like, it was going to be like, oh, they're showing us Heidi. That's yeah. nice. But and it, and yeah, you could do that entire scene without Heidi. Right. So I guess in that case, she is. Uh, but it was an important scene. Yeah. No. Th- this episode. This episode. Every like. Many of the scenes were long and monotonous and never ending, but they all had story weight to it. Um, well, which, except some of the Dougie stuff. No, well, I, I don't think so. I think the Dougie stuff. I mean, I, I think that you gotta play the long game with Dougie. I did like. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would use weight. <laughs> weight, weight implies something heavy. Well, there, uh, these I mean, scenes are long and thin. The, fa- the like fact they may have, they may have bearing. Obviously, yeah. you know his relationship with the son is having bearing. And I know somebody on Twitter uh, posted a side by side to us of 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 Sonny Jim doing a thumbs up and the old man, Mr. McDrool uh, uh, Cup, yep. uh, doing the thumbs up. They're like, is this the reincarnation? Young and old, maybe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, who knows? But I, I feel like the Dougie stuff has got a lot in it that we're just because it's, I mean, it was 20 plus minutes. I mean, it was just long. And the, the my, my problem with the Dougie stuff isn't what does happen, it's what doesn't happen. There's a lot of time spent playing out the shtick of Dougie not being able to communicate. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm get it. You don't have, you don't have to show me that anymore. Yeah. I'm so done with but that. I, st- I still love the being, the being there, uh, theme, especially with the scene with the boss where like, it's all, it starts off where he's like, this is all nonsense on the papers. And then the boss is looking and I, I'm like, Oh, he sees the connections as a circled yeah, name yeah. and a line. Even that one, I just, I'm like, yeah. get to it faster. Oh, don't. but no, I like, I like that scene. I like the, the, pa- and like, and while Doug, Dougie is looking at the boxing poster behind him and like, and, doing the holding his coffee no. but trying to pose like the boxer and it was like, no i'm so done with those they were cute once oh, like i back love, in the casino, I, love now, I will i now. will watch the 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 re-edit of the event the the life and times of dougie <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know i think i mean i i started off being concerned about the quality of the episode and ended i think it ended strong and it, and it's all about the carl rod uh yeah. richard horn scene yeah it's great stuff. yeah that so. whole sequence Oh man, crazy! All right, well let's uh, let's get some let's hear from you all the listeners. Let's go to the Roadhouse to get some feedback from you. As always, you can email us at feedback at damnfinepodcast.com. And Brandon from Simi Valley, California, writes in, and he told us that he's a a, a newbie when it comes to Twin Peaks. He just started watching the show on Netflix recently, and then he's uh, fast forward to a few weeks ago when uh, him and his wife started watching. They watched Firewalk with me, and then they started watching the new season. And then Brandon uh, goes on to say, he said, at this point, my wife mostly hate watches Twin Peaks. For all the reasons I am enjoying the show, she hates how confusing, odd, and slow-paced it can be. And while I respectfully disagree with her, I do understand where she's coming from. Twin Peaks is very much like black coffee. Not everyone can like it. I know you guys love the show, but how on earth could you recommend the show to someone who's never watched David Lynch or anything on this level? I don't really have anyone to chat with about Twin Peaks other than my wife. Listening to your discussions, kids eat up a lot of the social time, which is yeah, fair. Yeah, of course. Um, so he says, bonus question, how else uh, How else do you recommend me diving into it? Uh, Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, any other re- must-read or see pieces of lore? Um, so two questions there. First question is, how do you recommend this? And I've gotten this question before, and I actually don't recommend uh, the uh, to watch Twin Peaks: The Return without watching the first two seasons and Firewalk with me. Like, yeah, you, you, and it's this is this isn't for you. If you were like, oh, I want to check out Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks: The Return is not for you. I I, I get what Brandon's after. He's yeah. like, look, 
uh, I want my wife to enjoy watching this with me, not not just hate watch because I want to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and my approach with Twin Peaks has always been if they don't like it, you can't force it on them because you're right. The black coffee illusion is, is so perfect. Yeah. Uh, there is no milk and sugar for Twin Peaks. You you either drink it black or you don't drink coffee. Yeah. Uh, and 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 yet and yet I'm racking my brain like, OK, but how can we help Brandon's wife enjoy this more? And and maybe it's, you know, find out. Are there any characters that she likes that you can you can theorize with her about? Are there any you know, is there any element of it? Maybe it's the songs, you know, maybe if you start reading the secret history of Twin Peaks, which I think is an answer to your other question. Yeah, I was like, just you say, definitely yeah. should read that. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you can get her interested in the history. I mean, without knowing your wife and what she's interested to, it's a little hard uh, to recommend. But yeah, mostly I would say it's 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 one of those things. If it's not your cup of coffee, then it's just yeah, I sometimes I don't it's know not. that you can make someone like it. Yeah, I, I, it's it's the thing is, and it's funny because literally as we're saying this, we're recording this Sunday after the after the show uh, aired, and I just happened to uh, on my I've got my big monitor, and there's a I saw on Twitter uh, uh, this guy Rob Liefeld, who's a comic book artist. He he tweet, literally just tweeted out Twin Peaks. You're either in or you're out. You're either a lynch or not. And he yeah. says and he says I love it all of it. And well, you, Brandon, your wife obviously loves you because she's at least hate watching it with you. So I, I give her points for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can do Twin Peaks bingo that to keep her, you know, having some make, fun. Make a game out of it. Well, I was yeah. gonna say if she's if she's hate watching it just to watch it with him, then I hope he's hate watching something that she likes so they're, they're there sharing the experience. Yeah, yeah. but keep um, it going around. No, but I, I very much kind of subscribe to you know like something like listen. I'm not I'm I don't I'm not a Doctor Who fan. You know, like it's just not for me. Like I'm I know it's great. You know, like I'm glad. Everyone Everyone who likes it, it's just not for me. And so yeah. not everything is for everyone. And, and I'm so, still uh, friends with Ron despite yeah, that. Yeah, so see, there you go. There you go. See? But uh, <laughs> to answer your, your other question, as Tom mentioned just earlier, go by The Secret History of Twin Peaks by Mark Frost. Read that if you do anything. Secret Diary of Laura Palmer is probably number two. Um, and that's just more kind of background on Laura, but it's not – I don't think required reading, but if you're watching, yeah, it's not going to help the return as much. Secret history will definitely help you yeah. with the return. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, great question. We've been getting tons of great emails and tweets and, and, and all the stuff thrown at us. We thank you so much. Um, please send in your emails at feedback at damn fine podcast, send your theories, send your questions, send your, you know, speculation, whatever you got. Uh, we want to hear from you. Feedback at damn fine podcast.com. Uh, and of course you can go to patreoncom slash damn fine podcast, where you can uh, help support the show. Uh, we got a surge of new uh, supporters in the past couple of weeks. We really want to thank everybody for doing that. Uh, and if you sign up at the $5 or higher level, that is how you get access to the super secret damn fine slack, uh, which is like very, very active. It's like yeah. it's very cool. I mean, we got bookhouse patch emojis. We got cherry pie emojis. We got yep. Jacoby doctor emojis. So yeah. big thanks to the people in the slack that are, that are making all that fun. And if you sign up at the $5 level, just don't know that you you don't automatically get an email. It's not it's right. not tied in with a script or anything. It just it takes me or Ron going through every once in a while and mailing you the invite. So keep an eye on whatever email you sign up with, and that's where you'll get the Slack invite. Right. And and yeah, we got a lot of questions since last week's episode about how to get into the Slack. Go to Patreon, sign up at the $5 or higher level. Tom or I will, will send an invite to you from Slack. You'll get an email from Slack saying you've been invited, so check your spam and that sort of thing. Uh, and, yeah, the more the more people, the better. I mean, it's it like all through the episode, I thought people were, were, were commenting in there, watching it live together, like really cool. So uh, we thank everybody for supporting at that level. And I got to tell you, the, the, the emoji game in the damn fine Slack is just is, is thumbs up. 
So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, before we finish up, though, uh, one other thing for to see. This is the things we're going to forget. <laughs> You're already thinking something. Go uh, for it. Uh, Albert in the rain having uh, bad words for Gene Kelly was fantastic. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> yes. That, that was, was so Albert. That was great. So, all right. Um, so you can follow us on Twitter at DamnFineCast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DamnFinePodcast. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for Twin Peaks, The Return, Part 6. Tune in next week uh, when we'll be back for Part 7. Uh, the, the description on Showtime is, there's a body, all right, which that's kind of curious. Mm, um, there often is. Yeah. So uh, until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. I'm Tom.